Well, hey, everybody. It's 2021, and welcome back to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. This is going to be a good year. Leaders out there, we're putting in the uh, resolutions, we're making new goals, we're dreaming new dreams, we got new vision, new expectation for a new year, new calendar year. And uh, we're, we're really, really thankful that, and grateful that you're on the journey with us this year on the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. And I'm Brad Lominick. I'll be hosting several of these episodes on behalf of Ray and the entire team at Bayside Church and Thrive Conferences. And on this episode, we're going to hear Ray's conversation with Carrie and Tony Newhoff. And Carrie Newhoff, you may be aware of, Carrie's got a great podcast, the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. He's a speaker, an author, former pastor, founding pastor of Connexus Church, and uh, does a lot of work with churches and leaders all around the world. And uh, this is a great conversation because his wife, Tony, is uh, got a new book out recently, early January that came out. And this book is called Before You Split. And here's the subtitle, Find What You Really Want for the Future of Your Marriage. So if you're married, if you're thinking about getting married, if you've been married, this is a great conversation. And uh, Tony is, she is also uh, now an author and also has a, a podcast called the Smart Family Podcast. And she's a former divorce attorney. So she looks at this issue of marriages and divorce and really is able to unpack what she's seen from the other side of breakups. And here's what she's offering. She's offering help and hope to struggling marriages. So this is going to be a great conversation for you to uh, listen to with your spouse, maybe even to send this to somebody else, uh, forward this on to uh, maybe a friend who you know might uh, have some some struggles in their marriage. So uh, let's jump in. Here's Ray Johnston sitting down with Carrie and Tony Newhoff. Hey, to the uh, podcast today, we want to welcome somebody that's never been with us before. First of all, Kerry Newhoff and his wife, Tony, are with us. And um, and Kerry, I'm going to have you talk about Tony a little bit after I say this. Um, Tony, we are thrilled you were here. You have a brand new book coming out, but you have a background like most people that almost nobody I've ever met. You're an author, speaker. You've been a family law mediator. You spent decades of your professional life practicing law. And, and then, uh, you have actually been with lots of people, um, as they've gone through the journey of divorce and Carrie, you want to tell, we were talking earlier, you want to tell everybody what you told me about her law practice as it related to marriage. Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where she just has seen so many people and her desire to, I think what motivated you tone to get into law practice was to help families smooth the issues and maybe even reconciliation. Where we live north of Toronto, it's still a statutory duty to tell every family that walks into a law office, like, hey, have you thought about reconciliation? Now, by the time they're seeing a lawyer, they're pretty far down the road, so that almost never mm -hmm. works, hence the book. But you learn some things along the way where couples would say, oh, I wish I had known this before I filed for divorce. I wish, and, and some, I don't want to take the words out of your mouth, but some of your clients said, had I known how bad it would be, I would have fought harder for my marriage. Yeah. And um, we think it's coming out at a great time. Uh, the book releases next Tuesday, January 12th, uh, and 2020 has been brutal on so many marriages. We've seen it at our church. We've seen it 
uh, in friends. And so we're hoping it's real-time relief for people. Yep, hey, that's great. Well, first of all, Tony, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hey, thanks so much. I'm thrilled to be here. That's cool. Uh, my first question goes a little bit to something else you do. You uh, co-founded and co-host a Smart Family podcast. Um, what's that yes. about? Because a lot of these folks are going to want to connect with that. Well, the bottom line is we want to help people love being home. Uh, I teamed up with a pediatrician friend of mine, and uh, he sees a lot of families who are struggling with parenting issues or with um, illnesses, conditions. And I've I've helped a lot of people through the separation process. So I've you know I've seen a lot within the family context, the marriage context, and we just thought we would team up together and try to resource people with very practical um, advice from uh, expert opinions and research on how you can make your family life better. That's fantastic. And, um, and then talk a little bit about, you have a brand new book coming out called Before You Split. Um, yes. What a great title. Uh, why did <laughs> you write that? Well, I, as Carrie did started to say, um, I've, I actually did have clients who came back to me after we'd gone through the whole separation process and, you know, dotted the I's, crossed the T's on the separation agreement. And they looked at me with tears in their eyes and said, if I'd only known then what I know now, I would have worked harder to save my marriage. Wow. And it wasn't everyone, you know, in some cases, I, I helped people go through a separation who actually needed to go through that separation. But there, there were some people who recognized that uh, it wasn't what they thought, that there was a gap between what they were anticipating their separation would look like, and then the way it actually unfolded. And, uh, you know, where they thought they might pack up their relationship problems in a box and put the box aside, uh, they actually got a different box with different problems. And it didn't necessarily feel like an upgrade. <laughs> um, I, I can't wait to get my hand on your book. Yeah, and, you have it right there, Tom. Oh, Did you have, yeah. a, you have a copy there? Some of the very first copies. Very. Yeah. Oh yeah, I want that one signed and sent to me. There we go. Deal um, <laughs> done. And, and, done. And, and, good. Got it. Hey, great thing about doing this, Carrie, is you get free stuff. Um, exactly. So you got it. Man. Great. Um, I'm part of that is uh, full disclosure. My my parents were divorced. Mm. Both sets of grandparents were divorced. Yes. All of my mom's sisters were married and divorced. Wow. Um, if you walk back 140 years of my family tree, there is not one lasting marriage, not one. And, wow. um, and uh, like, li like literally we've cut, uh, I mean, I met Christ at age 18 and I love it when somebody says, I just don't think the Bible or Jesus or God or the church makes that big of a difference. All I have to do is sort of go, here's my family tree. Um, it makes all the difference in a general, I mean, we cut down my whole family tree and we're trying to build a new one. And, um, yeah. And the, and, and Carol, and I've been married for 38 years, which means we have the longest running marriage in the history. Wow. Congratulations. congratulations. And you got a daughter who, uh, you know, yes. is getting serious, which is exciting. And yeah, uh, yeah, she's engaged to a Canadian. So there we go. Well, <laughs> our country yeah. exports good things. I can tell you that right. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Um, the, and we, so this topic for me is a very, very hot topic. Um, mm, and, understandably. And so 
Um, and so a guy said to me one time, man, marriage was like a midnight phone call. First I got the ring, then I woke up. Um, <laughs> the, uh, when, when, people, <laughs> when in your book, you talk about this, when people wake up and you come with a background, uh, you're a divorce attorney. How many couples have you worked with in, in your life? Well, office? it would be hundreds at this mm. point. It wasn't my full career, Ray. I did work as a health lawyer. And then uh, okay. for the last several years of my career, I worked in, as a divorce attorney. So yeah, I, the last so, decade, yeah. you've basically been in the family space. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, so in all of that, it's because I don't think anybody's thought this deeply about it. Couples in troubled marriages think, okay, I'm unhappy, we're out. You mm-hmm. actually write in your book that you have three options for their future. Can yes. you explain why anyone who is unhappily married needs to understand all the options as they navigate this? Sure. Yeah. You know, people do often say, well, should I stay or should I go? And in that, you know, for couples who are really struggling, it's it's very confusing. So I, I talk about three options because I think it's clarifying. And I would say they are split, survive, or save. And so the split option is pretty, pretty obvious. Uh, it, you know, it comes with, uh, with a journey that people don't necessarily want to embark on. Uh, it's not any one person's decision, but we all know that you have to work through financial issues. You need to work through a lot of parenting issues if you're a parent. And so uh, people understandably are, uh, you know, need to slow down before making that decision to split. Um, in the, the survive option is something that I like to talk about because I think it's clarifying um, because it's, I, I say that surviving is staying in the relationship, but emotionally disconnected. And for people who are surviving, there's, there's a risk that they need to be aware of because when you're, when you're not emotionally engaged, uh, there's Uh, probably a level of pain that you may not even be aware of, where it it might leak out in your life in an unhealthy way. So if your emotional needs aren't being met, then I I think you're more susceptible to um, mental health or to addictions or, you know, to addictions to any number of things, not just substances, but also, you know, workouts or um, working or whatever it is. So being emotionally disconnected is, is a risk, I believe, in a marriage. But what I do want to say is that it doesn't spell the end of the relationship. Just because you're in a phase of surviving, if you find yourself surviving, that doesn't mean that that's where you need to stay. And I think sometimes when when the good feelings disappear in a marriage and people get to that place of feeling like they're white knuckling it, um, they can feel they can panic and think, oh, no, is this the end? It must be over. Um, but I, I would like to stand up and say, no, it's actually possible to go from that place of feeling disconnected to a much deeper, better level of connection to actually saving your marriage. And saving is the third option where you have a a relationship that's emotionally restored, close, you feel like you have each other's backs, you're satisfied. And, uh, and Carrie and I managed to make that transition. So I went from surviving to saving. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I know we're not alone. I I've heard many stories of people who've gone from, from a place, you know, I call that bad to go from that bad to this good is possible. You just need to take some deliberate steps. And, And that's what I like to uncover in, in all my discussions about the various pitfalls people can face. And then what are the practical things you can do to overcome them? So if you're okay, speaking of pitfalls, what are three or four things where you're going, man, don't do that. Don't do that. Common things people do that just make it worse. Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say in terms of making it worse, um, uh, ignoring emotions, ignoring your spouse's emotions. If if you really want to get closer in a relationship, you need to commit to becoming a student of your spouse's emotions and, and just being there with them. And, and that's not easy for some of us. You know, I feel like, uh, from the background I, I, I had, uh, I was emotionally unprepared for marriage. So learning how to be emotionally in tune with Carrie and to be responsive that, you know, that was a steep learning curve for me. So I would say, you know, being emotionally responsive, um, the other way to think of that is moving closer instead of moving on. Uh-huh. Um, second thing to, to not do would be to ignore the conflict that's going on. If, if you're in a vicious cycle of conflict, uh, and especially if you have kids in your home, you really need to think of becoming better peacemakers as a top priority, even before that thought of, well, should I you know, should we walk out the door? Is this it? Before that, it's really important to, to remember the time for peace is now and chase after those peacemaking skills. Can I add one just from our own story? Yeah. Yeah. Blaming. Um, I think when mm-hmm. we were stuck a number of years ago, uh, I kind of thought it was all Tony and Tony thought it was all me. And mm-hmm. anybody who's done 10 minutes of marriage counseling as a pastor or in ministry, Ray, you've probably been in that situation many times. It's like, well, you should see my wife or you should see my husband. And uh, I would say that's definitely something we had to get out of. And then the other is, I don't know what to call it, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's almost like you have this dream scenario where this other person that you will be with is perfect, has none of the problems that your current partner does, uh, really appreciates you for who you are. And you end up living in this non-reality of, oh, it's going to be so much better if I just go somewhere else or end up with someone else. And our marriage didn't end up going there. You know, there was no affair to recover from or anything. But I know that mentally that can occupy a lot of real estate if you let it. I don't know if you have anything else to add. It's a great question. Yeah, I feel like I could go on and on. But I think the one other thing I'd just like to highlight is um, don't stay isolated. Mm. You know, if there's if you have something heavy going on in your marriage, uh, you, you can't expect your spouse to bear the full weight of your need for friendship, for community. And uh, you really need to avoid being isolated or skimming in relationships because the, you know, the people you're close to can also help give you wisdom, expose your blind spots, um, you know, push back on the, the kind of blindness that you can develop if you really get into a negative place in your marriage. So those are a few things, Ray. Wow. Uh, every one of those things could be its own book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, 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 100%. Going, a part of this, I'm sitting here going, <clears throat> yeah, 
I've done that, done that, done that, done that. Um, the, we had a, I want to, the, I had a couple in my office two decades ago and I'll never forget. Um, it was our first office as a church and they were in, I mean, they came in hot mm. and I just sat down and said, what's up? And he said, Oh, she started. She said, well, he, and exploded for five minutes. And then she made a strategic mistake. She took a breath, which meant, <laughs> which allowed him to say, well, she, and I mean, and this was back and forth and they were yelling so loud. A lot of our staff left the office to get work done. It was that loud or they were at my door. Listening. One of the two, I think. And, and when they finally, when I finally got their attention, I just thought I'm going to have to have a little shock therapy. And I finally looked at them and said, said, we're not going to get anywhere. You guys came in here to do one thing, fix the blame firmly on the other person. Mm. And and which and so this is going to be a gigantic waste of time. Okay? Mm. And I'm, by the way, I'm a lousy counselor. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, I said, I said, until you your desire to fix your marriage is stronger than fixing the blame okay? and exploring what's gone wrong is important. We are not going to get anywhere. If if somebody is Tony, if somebody's stuck in blame mode, which you've probably seen hundreds more times more than Carrie, right? What would you tell that person? Wow! When you say when when I see that person, it, that is a theme that ran through almost every separation that I, I worked with, you know, almost every couple. Mm -hmm. And and I'll put my hand up too, as Carrie said, you know, we were stuck in the place where we both believed it was each other's fault and even went to our first counseling sessions with that agenda, you know, with wooing the counselor over to my side. So so they would say, see, so we or could the say kids, see. Sometimes yeah. very subtly. <laughs> yeah, well, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a different issue. But with, um, you know, it, it's such a common theme that I've, I, I like to talk about it because what usually runs in the background is a victim story. And, and the problem is that holding on to a victim narrative is like putting on glasses that aren't yours, that are wrong for you. You know, all you can really see are blurry images. Uh, you can't see the details or the nuances. And, and you know, I'll say we, we got stuck in that. I got stuck in that even in our conflict resolution. You know, when Carrie and I were, were trying to resolve things, I would tend to withdraw. I would say that I was fighting for the peace and Carrie was be being too aggressive. Um, but actually, when I ditched the story of Carrie being too aggressive, I could start to see more clearly that I was disengaging. And aside from that, sometimes I was stonewalling. And I wasn't seeing those nuances when I had the, the victim story in play. So it's it's such an important issue, Ray. I'm really glad you raised it. Can I ask you a question? Just mm -hmm. what broke it for you? What broke that victim narrative? Oh, I have to say it was you know, prayer, spiritual growth certainly played a part in it. And, and just as an example, I, I'll pull out First Peter, uh, First Peter 5, where it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And I, I came to realize that, hey, you know, I got to take this seriously. Like, I don't want God as my opponent. 
<laughs> and I, you know, I, I certainly want to stay on the side of God's favor, but that means that I have to, you know, let my defenses down and, and I, I need to really engage and sit with, sit with the issue that's difficult, you know, and even if I, I don't like what Carrie's saying or how he's saying it, I still uh, need to be humble and stay present and, uh, you know, let God do his reconciling work between us. Carrie, how, how would you answer the same question? Yeah. You know, we went to a lot of counseling, kept a lot of counselors in business. Um, <laughs> and I had really good counselors and they would not let me off the hook. As Tony said, the first time I went to counseling, I was in my early 30s. You had said I had to go or because I'm an Enneagram eight, she's a five if you follow that stuff. So I tend to be the aggressive, bold, assertive person and you're more mm. withdrawn and quiet. And you just said, look, you, you gotta go or something's gonna get really bad in our marriage. So I went, but it took every bit of strength in me, Ray. And I remember like there was almost a gravitational force. I went to this little church an hour north of us to this trusted friend who did counseling. And all I could think of was I send people to counseling, I don't go to counseling. Yeah. And I walked in, I sat down with Jim, his name's Jim, and I spent an hour complaining about my wife. And he listened very patiently and he said, well, now that we're done with that, let's talk about you and everything that's wrong with you. And uh, the jig was up at that point. And we had a few counselors over the years mm -hmm. and they would not let me off the hook. And it led me into an emotional place where I'm realizing, oh, this is, because then the dot started to connect what I was doing at home was also spilling out. Those same tendencies were spilling out at work, making things with the staff difficult. And I realized, oh, I'm a pretty obtuse object here. And I've got a lot of growth to do. I'm pretty unhealthy. And so, you know, that was a, that was a gradual process over a few years. But the deeper I got into confession and the deeper I got into, oh, I've, I've got to, you know, you hear this, people talk about it, but you got to say I statements. Listen, we it's been a good season for us these days even during covid it was really more like reaping a harvest a good harvest than than a bad one but if we have a bad day or a bad moment my instinct is still to say well you mm -hmm. and then i you know when i sober up not sober out cuz i'm not drunk but you know what i mean when i kind of like <laughs> come on newhoff it's like okay it's not her it's you what did i contribute to this so it was really that for me and it happened uh, probably about 15 years ago was sort of the bottom or the, the, like the end of yeah, that journey. Yeah. I, I went to a therapist who did a deconstructive therapy and then found one who did reconstructive therapy. I don't know what that means, but, uh, on the reconstruction, it's been a lot better. That's great. That's good. Uh, you, it, you talk about mud that gets dragged into your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, in other words, there's, you know, it's almost like every couple, Carol and I walked down the aisle. We carried all kinds of backpacks with us um, that lie, and you end up believing these hidden lies. Mm. Uh, and Tony, one of those for you was, I'm better off alone. Mm. Can you unpack that? Because I, when I read that, I went, whoa, this is, this is common, more common than people think. I just never heard anybody name it. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, And that was a, uh, it it took me a a while and took us, I would say several years into our marriage before I even realized that that was at play. Mm. Um, But, you know, I think people who haven't heard this concept before um, might just relate it to the Enneagram. And, you know, we learn that we have our personality, our personalities are formed, and then we have a shadow side. And, uh, you know, I think this particular lie um, came about as part of the shadow side of a chaotic childhood, you know, that my uh, father had anger problems, um, alcohol problems. And uh, so I I think out of that experience of, of not being able to trust the adults in my life, you know, I made this secret hidden agreement that I'm better off alone. Uh, and I, I, I absolutely look at that now and, and it's so untrue. It's almost laughable. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm not better off alone. I, I know that I'm better off if I'm connected in a community, if I'm part of the body of Christ. Um, but that hidden lie had its destructive effects uh, when I wasn't aware of it. Like it would be part of the reason that I would tend to withdraw from Carrie if it was getting too intense. Uh, you know, I'm better off alone. Leave me alone. I can survive on my own. And I, it, it was also a, a driving force for good in my life. You know, I think it was part of my going on to get a couple of degrees, um, but it had this shadow side. So finding it took took prayer, took Christian counseling. Uh, it it actually partly came to light when we were at an inner healing conference. Uh, one time, uh, Dr. Terry Wardle was leading that particular conference, and uh, the light started to go on. Mm-hmm. But I think for anyone who's wondering whether there's a hidden lie, uh, you know, that the enemy has planted, um, just praying that Jesus, please mm-hmm. shine your light on the darkness and and expose it is is such a potent prayer. Yeah, I love that. I love that that whole concept because I think we all have them. It's just going all right what is it and or what are they uh now, you also encourage people to fight for we instead of me a practice yes. speaking like what does that look like oh that one is uh I, i'll give the bottom line first ray um because i think it's so important um for couples who are maybe locked in a power struggle to remember that if i win we lose and then the, the question oh, wow. is, so how yeah. can we hey, say win? it again? Say it again. That is brilliant. Okay. If I win. If I win, we lose. Mm. So how can we win? Mm. Um, and and it, it does literally come back to power struggles. Yeah. I like to and, win. <laughs> me too. And, and contrary to never, my. Never happens, know, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. And, and even though I am wired to disengage before, before I do that, I'll put up a pretty good fight oh, yeah. and, and we are both trained as lawyers. So that doesn't. Oh yeah. You're going to win some arguments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, a, she's really good. <laughs> no kidding. Okay. So the, uh, the I want to talk about the power of forgiveness. Um, Walt Rangren, one of my wife, she read a book of his on marriage a million years ago. And he said, forgiveness is the foundation for marriage. Mm -hmm. And you actually unpack that a little bit. You have a phrase. I'm I'm just going to read to you. For mercy to fully do its work like mortar, it must be mixed with the water of humility. Can you unpack that? 
Sure. Yes. Well, forgiveness, I think, is vital um, because if you're struggling, particularly for couples who are in a, a troubled place as we were, there's probably a pile of grievances that haven't been addressed or for, forgiven. And so I, I like to think of it as building steps. So building a practice, a habit of forgiveness in your marriage is like building those ancient stone steps. And, uh, you know, the ancient stone steps that would lead you to a cathedral or some great place. Um, they're made up of three basic ingredients, the stones, the mortar and the water. So the stone represents the story, you know, the facts of actually what happened and the hurts that you've experienced and, and both of you having the opportunity to have your say. And then the, the mortar is that ability to look at your spouse, to see both their virtues and their brokenness, you know, to look at them through eyes of compassion. And then the, the other essential ingredient is humility. It's it's the ability that for, for me to look at myself, despite the hurt of the offense, to be able to look at myself and who I am and what I did, what role I played. And if you can mix together those essential ingredients and build those steps of forgiveness and then use them and practice them over and over in your marriage, they take you to higher ground. They'll just take you to a far better place. Boy, that's good. That is good. You also have a phrase, um, you write, it's, it's common for, to find ourselves at times feeling lonely or disconnected to each other. I mean, everybody that's married knows exactly what that feels like. And, and then you, you talk about, okay, it's possible to move closer rather than moving on. Mm -hmm. Why and how? Yeah, great question. I I think I did allude to it earlier, Ray, that you know, we're wired for intimacy. We're we're actually wired as humans to have an emotional connection. So, uh part of that is just being able to to sit with and respond to your partner's emotions, um, not dismiss them or ignore them or skip over them. Um, but part of that is, is also um, just doing intentional things to build connection. So one of those things is making sure that when you communicate with each other, that it's you're not weighing too heavily on the negative side. You know, you're not talking about little complaints too often. And they've done research to show that uh, an, a, a successful ratio is like five positive communications to one negative. And uh, that means not just doesn't mean that you have to like rack up five compliments in a day, but it means that you, you know, you say something complimentary or you um, you're, you're flirty or, you know, positive body language, but just five positive forms of communication to any one complaint that you're airing. I had a moment. Uh, we good. became empty nesters about seven years ago, sort of part-time and now full-time for a few years. And it was one of those things that happened for us in our forties and I'm terrible at math, Ray. Um, so I kind of thought when our kids left home and finished college that I'd be 90 and that would be about <laughs> the end. And then here we are in our mid forties feeling really healthy. And, you know, we, we had two kids. Jordan was born 18 months after we got married. So, yes. I mean, all, and we were in law school at the time. So it was like law school, graduate kid, boom, 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 whirlwind ministry. And I remember when he got his license, he was 16 and he drove his brother to Blockbuster. So this dates it. Okay. But he's, <laughs> they're going into town together and we're in the house by ourselves for the first time going, our kids are driving away in our car. And I remember thinking that moment, 
wow, we have a lot of life ahead of us, like a lot of life, God willing, decades. And these kids are going to leave home before we know it, which is really, really true. And the best definition of intimacy I've had uh, heard, you know, and this is just general, not just couples, but intimacy is shared experiences. If you think about the people that you feel closest to, it's because you shared an experience. You went on a trip together. You've had numerous good dinners. You, you, you know, mm -hmm. had an adventure or whatever. So what Tony and I did to avoid, we weren't going to split. That wasn't a good thing. But um, we, we didn't want to survive because we know a lot of couples in the empty nest phase become roommates or business partners or you do your life and we do my life. And we had been surviving. Yeah, we'd been so surviving. We didn't want to so, stay there. But we didn't want to stay there. So we started doing activities together. And, you know, there were some things I loved, like you, you got a bike and we started cycling together. You love the woods. So we got snowshoes and we traveled together and we just have like five or six things that we do for our 30th last year. Tony wanted a canoe. I'm like, Lord, could she not want jewelry? I do not want to go canoeing. I, I, this is <laughs> not exciting. What use for though? Oh my gosh. I'll tell you like, Ray, I like power boats, right? All right. And we got a sea ray. Yep. It's like, get another sea ray. That would be awesome. But anyway, you know what? The surprise of last summer was I love canoeing. And so we go out canoeing and it's, it's those moments. Um, you know, we had a lot of meals together, especially over the last year, but over our life. And you better really like the person you're with because you get a lot of dinners with them ahead of time. And so those habits sown a decade and a half or so ago have really grown over time mm -hmm. to the point where we never have trouble filling the time, the space, the conversation. But without those shared activities and obviously our values, our faith, the, the causes we support and so on are a big part of that. But just those, those really simple things are, are huge. Yep. Oh, that's good. Um, the last one, I have a last question is this. Um, you advise people to say, who say, um, we're splitting up for the sake of the kids. Mm. Take it slow. Um, yes. We have a lot of pastors right now who are either going through this or have a church packed with people going through this. Okay. Um, and, they, and, and these folks have kids. Most of them have kids. Mm. Um, what do you mean by take it slow? And can you just unpack that some? What advice do you have for parents? Sure. So my my heart goes out to parents who are separating or or thinking about it because uh, I I know that I had so many people who sat in my office and their number one concern was you know what will happen to the kids, and uh, so I know that it's top of mind for couples who are struggling. You wonder if your kids are going to be okay. And uh, I, the reason that I tell people to take it slow is that um, you, you might think that your the, the impact of your struggling marriage uh, is going to be toxic for your kids. But the problem with separating right now as a solution is that you've got the unresolved issues in your relationship and you're going to go through a grieving process and then you're going to pile on top of that all the issues that you need to resolve as part of your separation and they're also emotionally charged so you know how to divide the property and how to divide your income and parenting you know it's 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 a lot of layers and so what I what I say is if if you really want to just look at the interests of the kids right now 
then the time for peace is now. And I'll unpack that a little bit. So if you can just park the issue of separating to the side and put as the, the first and foremost priority, what are your kids actually experiencing as part of this marriage mess? You know, if you were a fly on the wall in your home, what is it that they're actually experiencing? You know, is there a lot of disrespect? Is there a lot of turmoil or maybe unkindness? And, and I would say whatever, whatever you can do now to try to work on that tone and that relationship as it is in your public family space is such a benefit for your kids. And I'm not suggesting that this is easy. Like this is hard. Mm -hmm. If you are in a bad place, and I know when we were in our lowest lows, you know, that was tough. It was messy at home. You know, I would lose it. I would scream like a crazed fool. So I put my hand up. Um, and I didn't want it to be that way. I would lie awake looking at the ceiling too and wondering if my kids were going to be okay. Um, but whatever you can do right now to try to address that is going to be a benefit and it'll be a lasting benefit regardless of what ends up happening with your marriage. Um, because what I found in working with, with clients who were going through their separation and, you know, they, they did separate and part of it was they were concerned about the kids. They got to the point where they reached an impasse on settling the, the separation issues and they, they couldn't get any further without working on their relationship. Yeah. And if you think you don't want to work on your relationship right now while you're married, try working on it then when you're not married. Like it's, you even have less of an incentive to come to the table. So I just remind parents that the time for peace is now, the, the time to work on becoming more kind and respectful to each other, figuring out a way to do that. And just recognizing that your child needs both of you, that the, your child needs a relationship with both of you, even when you're feeling quite a bit of animosity toward your spouse and you're questioning their value, um, just keep at the forefront of your mind that your child needs both of you. Yep. I think Ray too, if I can add a quick point, slowing down lets you write a different story. Mm. Um, one of the things that really shocked me because my laws at 20 years phrase. old, um, but uh, you know, when you would talk about how court has changed, I had no idea your text message um, sequence was like admissible evidence in court. And I shudder to think what would have happened if some of the texts that I sent Tony ever got made public back in our difficult period. And, you know, we've had the benefit now of, you know, our kids being in their twenties, being grown and seeing us, our marriage get healed, our relationship move into a new space and having a great relationship with our kids. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Like mm -hmm. that they got us, they got the opportunity to see us write a different story. Um, and mm. I think slowing down, it would have been so easy to make a snap decision or go, yeah. this is it. Mm. And we both felt that way, mm -hmm. but like we didn't. And now slowing down gave God an opportunity to write a new story in me, which meant writing a new story in us, which meant a new story yeah. in you, a new story in us. And everyone's the benefit of that. And if that story did, like maybe you're in a different situation and it's abusive or, you know, whatever it's it's a different result yeah it if, it, it if it's unsafe it to, if it's, it's unsafe, unsafe mm -hmm. you, you, that's a different story we're talking about but we're unhappy. talking to people oh, yeah. who are unhappy, yes. unhappily married not in harmful marriages yeah. yeah but you know it gave us a different story and i think you're right tony that even if it doesn't result in full reconciliation it'll be much better 
than just mm-hmm. making really quick decisions and burning all bridges and in the process, burning lifetime relationships. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question about how people can get your book in a second. Well, kind of what we want to say. First of all, I want to say thank Tony. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. And, and actually, you know, I, I, I'm a whole lot older than you guys are. And it's so encouraging. I can't, you have a life now that you would not have ever had. Yes. And mm-hmm. an impact now you would have never had if you had, you know, the right road's almost never the easy road. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just want to say thank you. It's funny. What, I have a whole bunch of COVID learnings. One of my ones happened um, across a golf fairway from the house. Well, our whole family's vacationing down there, kids, grandkids. And um, had a bunch of pastors down there. We're mentoring those pastors in, there were 12 pastors, there's a round table. And I asked the oldest guy in the room to close us with one thought. And I thought he was going to go on. He's a pastor. So I thought it was going to be 40 minutes. He had, he, all he said was one line. He looked at all these pastors, let it get real quiet. And he said, there is always something good for you from God on the other side of not giving up. Mm. And I just sat there and I went, that's from God. And there are thousands of you listening to this. And the three of us would just want to say, my wife would be in the same boat. She, um, we just want to say to you, we've been through this stuff, you know, for a long, long time. There is always something good from God for you on the other side of not giving up. Yes. yes. And I think Amen. this book before you, if you're going, well, how, how, well, a really good step one would be to buy this book and read it and absorb it. Um, and so before you split, um, everybody listening, how do they get it from their self or some of them are going to buy it for some jobs and friends? How would they get it? Well, it's well, available it's, on Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think also Barnes and Noble. Um, Anywhere you Christian get books. Reads. Yeah. But you have some pre-order. If this, if people are listening to this before the 12th, if they yeah. go to TonyNewhoff.com, which is super easy to spell. Uh, if you butcher it, you'll probably still find <laughs> Tony it. Tony with an I. And then okay, well, hold on, hold on, spell it. Because uh, okay. okay. it's not out yet, but people can go and pre-order. So here we go. Sure. It's T-O-N-I-N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. It's Dutch. Got it. My fault. We, My fault. We will we will, you know what we'll actually do is we will put a link to that on the website. Uh, for awesome. Sure. And I believe if you, you Google before you yeah. split.com, you also will bring up. The oh, book. yeah. Before you split. Before you split. That's, that's the easier option. You'll get some pre order bonuses. Uh, we've got, well, who's who's on those? Like Carlos Whitaker. Yeah, Carlos yeah. and Tony Collier. Um, uh-huh. That's a cool. Brilliant friend of ours, counselor Craig Brannon and yeah. Carrie. There you <laughs> go. Well, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> the hey, just to wrap this up, I, I want to say this. Um, my other learning, well, I've had a whole bunch of COVID learnings, we probably all have. Yeah. Um, my other learning is this I interviewed Henry Cloud, yeah. and and he basically, being a psychologist, said, I think about the types of people often. He said, Proverbs does the best job. He said, They're either wise or foolish or evil. He said, that mm-hmm. No other kinds of people, and he said. He said the characteristic of foolish people is when they are confronted, they respond with attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, wise people respond with teachability. And this, mm-hmm. I want to, first of all, I want to thank you both for letting God get at you to be wise about this with each other. After my 145 years of divorces in my background, 
means more to me than you know to be able to look at you guys and to hear this and thank to you, see Ray. oh thank you you so and we're just this book will make you wiser and that is worth it so tony thank you so much carrie thank you so much and uh nice catch buddy <laughs> I'm a lucky guy, Ray. I know that Absolutely. now. I know that now. I'm so fortunate. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Ray. Well, thanks again to Carrie and Tony Newhoff for jumping in on the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast. And by the way, you can uh, you can find more information on the book wherever books are sold. You can find it at Amazon or any of the outlets. Also, uh, make sure to check out Tony's work at TonyNewhoff.com, and that's T O N I. N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F or just Google Tony Newhoff. And that's again, T-O-N-I, T-O-N-I, Tony Newhoff. So thanks again to her and Carrie for being part of this episode. Hey, make sure you rate and subscribe and review on wherever wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever outlet you're on, Spotify, iTunes, podcast app, any of the outlets, uh, make sure you leave a rating and review and share this Share this episode with a friend. Uh, We'll continue to bring you great conversations between Ray and thought leaders, best-selling authors, change agents, pastors, leaders. So keep keep with us. If if this is your first time here, thanks for joining. And uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We want to make sure you're getting this in your inbox wherever you get your podcast on a regular basis. So on behalf of the entire team, I'm Brad Lominick. Thanks again for listening to the Ray Johnson Leadership Podcast, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.